Good morning, everyone. Uh, what an awesome worship experience that was. And for me, I, 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 it was both a confirmation, but it was also, it made it a little bit challenging for me because basically my preach today was covered in almost every song that was sung this morning. And if this was my church, I would say, let's close and go home. <laughs> but we are where, where we are. And I would like to apologize. I, I came a little bit late this morning. We have not had water since Sunday. And we woke up this morning. There was water at 5 o'clock. But when it's time to bath, there was no water. So we had to start the whole process of getting water, boiling it, and so on. So I do apologize for that. In John chapter 1, perhaps let me also uh, mention this. There won't be any scriptures uh, on, the, on, the, on the screen. But if you do have your Bibles, you can follow with me. In John chapter 1, uh, John chapter 1, verse 1 to 2, it says, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Jump to chapter 14, it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. That is Jesus Christ. He lived for 33 years, and he was crucified on Golgotha or Calvary, depending on which language you want to use. 40 days, oh, sorry, he, he was crucified, he, and then he was raised three days later. 40 days after, he ascended, which takes us to where we are, because he died for our sins, and that's the foundation upon which we stand. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So this morning, I would like to talk about the new creation reality, but from the perspective of the cross, the men, and the blood. When, when, when we get saved... Or perhaps let me put it this way, as, as believers, one of the things that we are required to do is to get baptized. When we get baptized, as we go under the water, what that is, is a declaration of us identifying ourselves with the death of Christ. As in, we are united with Christ in his death. So as we go under, that symbolizes that, the death of Christ. But in order to, to properly understand the significance of that, I think we have to go right back to the beginning. Genesis chapter 3. You find Eve in the garden and is tempted by the serpent. To, to sum it up, says sin entered through lust of the flesh lust of the of the eyes and the pride of life and what then what that then meant is that the seed of adam became tainted with the very same corruption through them having partaken of the forbidden fruit now this is this might sound very foundational, but it's very important, especially for the message that I'm, I'm, I'm going to be sharing today. Because what 
what in essence that means is that Adam was given a choice to live his life with only one thing in his mind, and that was God. But then he made a different choice, a choice that said, I am going to save myself. The lust of the flesh pertains to self. Lust of the eyes, itself. Pride of life, itself. So instead of saying, I'm going to live a life that is completely surrendered and dedicated to God, he chose to live a life that was focused on self. So which then meant that the seed of Adam carried that very same corruption. The corruption that says, everything is about me. And now when, when, when we get baptized and we identify ourselves with the death, what in essence that means, it takes us back to the cross when Jesus died on the cross because we identify ourselves with him, so which means in his death we were there with him. When he died, it was not just him, but we were there with him in his death. And what, what exactly does that mean pertaining to the seed of Adam? It means that pertaining to the seed, from that point on, the nature that is so focused on self, the nature that has no mind for the things of God, died. That's of that seed, let me just put it that way. It was the end of it. And equally important is for us to recognize the fact that Jesus died, but then he rose again. When, when he rose again, if you go to Hebrews chapter 9, it will, tell, it, it will talk about the fact that Jesus rose and he entered the heavenly tabernacle with his own blood but maybe to clarify or to, to, to simplify that I'm going to explain it this way go back to Genesis oh sorry Exodus chapter 12 verse 13 this is the last plague before the children of Israel are taken out of Egypt where is the death of the firstborns now Jesus oh sorry God says when I see the blood, I will pass over. Continue to Le Leviticus chapter 16. It talks about the day of atonement. The day of atonement where the priest would make a sacrifice for his own sins, but also a sacrifice for the sins of the people. He would then enter the Holy of Holies with that blood. But that transaction was between the priest and God. The people were outside. The only thing that they were waiting for was for the priest to come out. Because when the priest came out, it signified that the offering was accepted. And they too, because of the offering, were accepted. So when Jesus entered... The, the, the heavenly tabernacle with his own blood, it signifies that transaction between God and the priest. But it is for the people. And now, I don't want to uh, uh, maybe confuse anyone, but I do want to clarify this. In fact, even one of the songs that was, was, was sung today, it talks about 
the blood washing away our sins. When you look at the Bible or when you go through the Bible, you have to approach that concept very clearly or very, very carefully, let me put it that way, because the line of Adam, that seed, as it ended on the cross, the, the, the punishment that God dealt to that line was one. It was death. It was not cleansing. It was death. Which means the old man, the only thing that can happen or the only thing that can rectify the old man is death. There's no amount of washing that can wash away the old man and make him better or good or anything of that nature. So when we approach this concept of saying the blood cleanses, we have to be very careful because it does not cleanse in the, in the sense that the old man is going to be made better and continue to live. The old man has only one outcome, and that is death. So cleansing in that concept or in that sense means we, it, in fact, cleansing in that, in that sense, it has more to do with the moral obligation or the moral consequence of sin upon our, our conscience. So what the blood does is Christ entered into the heavenly tabernacle with the blood. It, it was a, a, a legal requirement. In fact, let me put it this way. The Bible says Christ is the propitiation of our sins. He satisfies everything. So legally, his blood satisfied everything. And now, coming back to the issue of the sin, the blood, we have to look at the blood in that context, in the context of that through his blood, the penalty was paid. The legal requirement was satisfied. That is what the blood does. Concerning the old man, there's only one outcome for the old man, and that is death. Which is, which is, which is very, very critical because in terms now of the new creation reality, remember, the old has passed away, behold, the new has come. We go under the water, signifying our un, uni, unity or union with Christ in his death, but then as we r uh, 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 rise above, or as we get pulled out of the water, we now are resurrected with him. Galatians 2, chapter 20. In fact, I think I'm, I'm, I'm just going to read this one. Galatians 2, ch chapter 20. Uh, this is Paul speaking pertaining to his life that is now living. He says, I have been, uh, sorry, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, I live in the flesh. Oh, sorry. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Let, let me repeat that. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. 
If you go to Acts chapter 17, verse 28, it says, In him we live and move and have our being. We are united with him in his death, but we are also united with him in his life. But here, here now is a very important point that we have to take note as believers. The new creation reality has more to do with what happens when we rise with Christ or are resurrected with him. Yes, we are united with him. I'm not trying to downplay that. But I think a lot of the times, it's, it, it's not so much of an issue for us as believers to understand how we are united with him in his death. The, the issue comes when we now interpret how we are united with him in his life. Because now, remember, we, we, we died. We were raised with him. The book says, it is no longer I who lives, but it is Christ who lives. Because when we died, we were in him. No one by himself hung on the cross. None of us could have done that. So we were in the cross in him. Just as much as we are alive, but in him. And hence, if we are alive in him, the lives that we are now living are no longer ours, but his. In fact, he is the one who is living. That's why Paul is very clear. That's the life that I now live. You know, I live in him. And when, when we come back now to the present day reality... I'm just going to share this example. At, at, at some point, I was in a life group. And it so happened that in the life group, there was a particular leader. And I was not happy about how he was leading. I saw so many faults, things that he should have done, and this and that and that. I got irritated. I'm not going to lie. I stopped. I said, no, this is, this is a waste of my time. I stopped going. And it took me maybe two, three months, or maybe even longer than that, before God took me back to the very same life group. Because what God showed me was that I was feeling that way because everything was about me. The, the new creation reality says, you died. So which means... The things that are now happening, you are no longer interpreting them according to what makes sense to you. During, during, during our session in the, in the life group this week, we were talking about people who church hop, you know, from this church, from this church, and, and so on and so on. Difficult topic because it, it pertains to some people and that's their reality. But here's a, here's, a, here's a truth that we cannot run away from. God never intended for anyone to live like that. You are here, you are there, you are there, you are all over the show. It's not God's design. A lot of the times what, what happens is that when we make it about ourselves, we, we, we say, I'm not happy about what he's doing. I'm not happy about what is happening there. It becomes about you, the self, which means now the flesh that was supposed to have died is not really dead. The flesh that was supposed to have been left in the grave or at the cross, somehow revived and is trying to live or is trying to, to manifest its presence in 
this reality. Because we should not make the mistake. The fact that you are a new creation does not mean that you will not get challenged or does not mean that the, the old man would not want to come back and show his head and, and, and try to make you feel as if this reality is non-existent. Perhaps let me put it that way. And for me, this pertains to me as well. One of the mistakes that I found that I made was that the response to that, if there's an issue that I'm struggling with, the response to that is I try harder. I purpose even more that I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to do that. Uh, I try to come up with my own plan and so on and so on. Second Corinthians chapter 12, Paul comes to a different realization. He says, there was a thorn in his flesh. He prayed to God three times. God didn't take it away. Instead, God said, my grace for you is sufficient. And it dawned on Paul that through weakness, the life of Christ is made manifest. Because when you end, Christ begins. And the reality is that we should have ended at the cross, but somehow we find ourselves not having done that. We are still continuing beyond the cross. And hence, the issues that we go through as believers. It doesn't mean that an issue is never going to affect you. It doesn't mean that you're not going to be troubled. It doesn't mean that you're not going to get angry. It doesn't mean that you're not going to fail. But it does mean that you fail in the context of the new creation. And if you fail within the context of the new creation, you are victorious regardless. Because your, your reality is not saying, I am victorious because I've overcome. You are saying, I'm victorious because he overcame. Because if you're still living the life that says, I'm victorious because I've dealt with this issue, then it means the old man is not left in the cross. And the old man is still trying to make its way in your life somehow because you're still living a life that says, I have to make things happen. He didn't make things happen. And as long as we're living those kind of lives, it's very difficult for us to, to be free. It's very difficult for us to have peace because our peace, in as much as we will not outwardly uh, admit this, but our our peace comes from external things and events. I have to accomplish this. I have to have this in order for me to be okay. And that is not the new creation reality. The new creation reality stems, if, 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 if you go back to the example that I made about the people and the high priest entering, the people had faith in the transaction between the priest and God. They didn't worry about anything else. They just were worried about whether or not the sacrifice was going to be acceptable. Everything else was inconsequential. And what we do silently is that we say that with one breath, but with the other, we are living a life that says it is not finished. We're living lives that says something else still has to happen. The blood was not enough. And, and this, this thing that I'm saying right now is not the kind of thing that you can come to readily. 
You really do have to take time and, and look at your own life and, and the events that are troubling you because I think that's, that's the one place that can really show you where you are. What is troubling you in your life? And what is your response? Is your response all about you? How you are feeling? How this and this and this should be like this, should be like that? Or is your response that I have died? The life that I now live, I live by faith in him. So which means it's all about him. So in a situation where I'm in a life group and I don't like what the leader is doing, I say, Lord, okay, here, here I am. You placed me here. I didn't bring myself here. You placed me here. What is it that you want me to do? In fact, what is it that you want to do through me in the church? I mean, anyone who approaches church with that kind of, of, of mentality, perfection, things should be this way, things should be that way, you are, you, you are in trouble. Let me just put it that way. Because it means... There's a long journey of church searching for you, which will never really end. And maybe it was never supposed to end because maybe the issues were supposed to be rectified by you. Maybe you were supposed to play a role in changing this reality. Only if you would allow the new creation reality to set in, to sink in and understand that it is no longer about you. If you or if we were united with Christ in his death, we are united with him in his life. In fact, let me, let me, let me, let me read again 2 Corinthians chapter 5, but um, I'm going to start now from verse 20. Now, in fact, in fact, let me start from verse 18. It says, All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. Now, in Christ, we are being used to reconcile or to do the very same thing, reconcile people to God. And I don't want to maybe sound as if maybe I'm being... um, judgmental or anything of that nature but there are some hard truths that we have to face as the church and for me I keep finding myself back more or less to the same thing over and over again that if we are to be the light of the world as we are called to be as the church it has to begin with us it has to begin with us being being violent with ourselves. Matthew 11 says that kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. We have to be violent with ourselves, ruthless with ourselves and not, I don't know, not being very soft and, 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 and I don't know what's, what's, what's the correct word. But it has to begin with us where we interrogate our lives. 
The new creation reality, if you look at it, if we were living by that reality, very few things would trouble us. You don't have money. You are now so worried. Who's going to pay the rent? Who's going to do this? You don't have food. You don't have water. You don't have this. Most of these things, they are used by God to show us the truth of what lies within. Because we use a lot of of language, of scriptures that make it even difficult for me to reach out to anyone. Because if I come to to Freaky, or Freaky comes to me, I'm going to throw back scripture at him, or he's going to throw back scripture at me, and the conversation is not going anywhere. Because we know what to say. In, In fact, we even know what to do. The challenge is, are we living that way? Are we truly living the lives that say, Christ is Lord, Christ is enough, it is finished. On the cross, when he died, he didn't die so that we could pick up any slack, if I can put it that way. He didn't die that we could now somehow have to worry about this, have to worry about that. He carried everything on the cross. He carried everything. That's why the Bible says he has given us all things pertaining to life and godliness. Everything that we have, we have it now. There is no future that is coming to give you something that you don't already have right now. The one thing that we are missing is, our, is for our eyes to be opened for us to see the reality that we are in right now. Because we spend a lot of time waiting for something to happen. You know, I need to get this right or if I could do this, if I could be this. That keeps you in the same space for a very long time. Waiting for something that you shouldn't really be waiting for. The Bible, for example, says, faith comes by hearing. And hearing, the word of God. The Bible doesn't say faith comes by experience, comes by time. It says comes by hearing. Which means, if I hear the word of God telling me that I need to go in this direction, the faith is already there. All that is left is for me to reckon on the finished works of the cross to say when Christ died, he took everything. He took my weaknesses. He took the need for me to live my life according to my own abilities and strength. He took it all with him. And he said, come, let me walk with you. Let me live this life for you. Let me show you how to walk this journey. So if I encounter a situation that I feel is beyond me, I call on him. I call on him not as a way of saying, "Eh, Lord, help me, Eh, I don't have the strength. I do have the strength. But I call on him with this mindset that says, "I, I call on him to remind me of who I am. Because again, if you call on him saying, I need the strength, you can be also delayed. The strength you already have. All things have been given unto us. So you call on him to say, Lord, remind me of who I am. Give me the strength to walk in that reality of who I am. And as you do that, by faith, you step in. For example, I I, I always like to use this, uh, this, this example, but maybe someone has not heard it. In the, in, the, in the African churches, when it comes to preaching, for example, the pastor would get up and they would say, Rista, come and preach. They would not tell you that you have to prepare 
advance or anything like that. And now, what then now has to uh, be asked of Rista is where is your faith? Is it in your own abilities or is it in Christ? You need to have the kind of faith that says, he said it is finished, so it's all about him. So if he calls me up here, it means there's a message that he wants to say. So all that I have to do is to come up here and I stand, I say, Lord, what do you want me to say? Don't worry about the mind. Don't worry about the people. Begin to speak in faith. Many a times I've, I've spoken, not knowing what, what I'm going to say. But one thing that I know, he didn't, he didn't make a mistake. So as I begin to speak, the words come. Because I don't speak out of this idea that I'm resting in what I can do. But I speak with this idea that on the cross, I ended. And before you right now, who is standing is a new creation. That new creation that has the strength of Christ. It's a new creation that, according to the scripture, I can do all things to Christ who strengthens me. We are going to pray. And before we pray, there, there are so many things that are weighing down on us. And as I stand here, I, I wouldn't really love for us to say, let's pray for what is troubling you. But I would really love to say, let us pray for our eyes to be opened. Because here's the challenge. If you are troubled by this one issue now, and your focus is just on the issue, that let this issue pass. We'll pray for the issue to pass. Next week you're back here, needing another prayer. And another week, another week, another week. It's fine for a season. Come up until you get the strength, but the idea or the goal is that let's pray for you to have your eyes opened so that after a few times, you no longer need to come here, but you are the one who's praying for others and telling them that in Christ, we have it all. So, we are going to pray, and after, after the service, we will also be available to pray with anyone. Because I, I think this is a prayer for all of us. There's, there's no one who, who is excluded. There's no one who does not need to know Christ. Paul, after having done so much, he says, that I may know you and the power of your resurrection. So as we stand here, there's not a single one of us who can say, I don't need that prayer. All of us need it because he takes us from one degree of glory to the next. Our eyes are open to this today. As we are built up in this, he opens our eyes even more, even more, even more. And as that happens, we impact on the next person, the next person, the next person. And before you know it, the church is what it was designed to be. Father, in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, all glory and honor belongs to you. All things proceed from you, our Father. All things are yours. And by your grace we stand here, Lord, not having done anything that deserves. But it is just your love, it is your grace that we are called your children. That's why even now, our Father, we're completely surrendered unto you, saying, our King, open our eyes, help us. Help us to know you, help us to understand what it means to be new creations. 
Help us to live lives that are not so defeated. Help us to live lives that are victorious. Victorious in the knowledge that you, O King, dealt with it all. When you said it is finished, it was so, and there's nothing more that we need to do but just to rest in that promise, but just to rest in that reality, knowing that you are Father, you love us, you said you'll never leave nor forsake us. So which means there's no step that we take that you're not there. In Jesus' name, be glorified, Father. Amen.